0: Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at MarksDailyApple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at PrimalBlueprint.com.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is April King. She is the co-founder of Better Than Provisions, a food company committed to providing convenient, nutrient-packed, Guilt free foods that taste indulgent. After spending two decades on her own personal health journey and 10 years as a health coach and holistic nutritionist, she developed a recipe for a product she couldn't find in the marketplace. And so in 2018, after realizing that her clients, friends, and family shared the same frustrations with finding healthy and portable food options, she and her husband Earl launched Better Than Provisions. We're going to talk today about her health journey and struggles and the wonderful ending to it, which is this incredible company. And I've tried all of their products and they are delicious. So visit better Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Ella.
2: I appreciate being here.
1: So let's start off with something some people might be able to resonate with. And why I like to start here is because you have a triumphant journey. You had a lot of family and personal trauma. You, uh, had a lot of, drug addictions and issues. So let's just talk about those early years where you really struggled.
2: Yeah. um, Well, you know, I mean, everybody has kind of their own young life story, right? And um, a lot of people start off pretty normal and some people's don't. And we, um, as a family, I come from a big family. I come from a family of eight children where I'm the youngest and, um, we we were, you know, we were a poor family and um, my early life started out with my father uh, with alcoholism and suicide. And so it kind of just went from there where I was, I was pretty young when that happened. I was like two years old and, you know, everybody in my family was subject to that trauma. And I think that that had took an early hold on Um, on my life. And I sort of grew up into, um, you know, where there was a lot of uh, codependent behavior and, um, and some other issues, you know, some of my siblings had some issues with addiction. And I think I was just so, um, I was a very sensitive child. And so it was really easy for me to find my way into that path of addiction, um, myself as a way to sort of numb you know, numb the pain that I carried. And that started pretty early. I mean, I was probably like 12 when I started smoking and drinking, and then it went from there. And by the time I was 17, um, I had, you know, I had heavier, heavier addictions at that point. Um, I moved to the, I was living in Las Vegas at the time and meth was on the rise. And so that kind of got a hold of me. And I lived that lifestyle on and off for, I don't know, a good six years. And it had both its impact on my um, psychological health, um, definitely curbed my ability to mentally develop, I would say, uh, being so young. And then uh, when I finally got off that that roller coaster. My family intervened when I was about twenty-four years old. Um, in that time, I had gotten uh, clean long enough to get pregnant, and I had a daughter. Um, I stayed clean for a while, and then uh, when she was probably about two, I got back into it, and um, and it just progressively got worse. We ended up homeless. We ended up. Um, we ended up uh, losing everything. And then, like I said, my family intervened when I was about 24. So I moved back to where I come from and that's Wisconsin and moved back with family and got some support and started really just um, learning about how to create a life for myself and health was a part of that. So knowing that I wanted something better for myself, I got curious about I had um, after having had the addiction, right? So meth addiction. Uh, a lot of people may know that, and some people may not. That you tend to lose a lot of weight because you don't eat much, and so I was I was skinny and I was sickly, and so I um, decided to. A piece of that was for me was to heal, and healing um, meant gaining a lot of weight. So I put on probably about I don't know a hundred pounds. And so I was I was over 200 pounds as a result of just like the healing process and not really paying a lot of attention to what I was eating because I was more focused on getting my life back together. So I was going to school and I was learning about how to, you know, I, I got my own place and and. I'm doing all these things to better my life. So like the last thing I was really concerned about was what I was eating. I was trying to eat healthy, but I, I, you know, I did what I could and the healing process and all of that. So I gained a lot of weight. Um, and then someone said to me, they're like, well, you're doing all this work for the inside. You know, you're trying to heal your inside and and make your life better. And, um, you know, how do you feel about your outside, like, you know, your body and your health and, I don't know that I had really given it a ton of thought at that point, but then that clicked with me and I started, you know, exercising and I started reading magazines like health and fitness magazines, just to kind of learn like ideas about how I could be healthier. And that's led me down a path of just trying to heal myself. I lost about 60 pounds and then um, I was, I was doing really well. And then shortly after that is when the next phase of my healing or um uh, healing journey kicked in, I ended up with chronic pain, fatigue, and uh, nervous system stuff. And I I, um, I kind of went, I, I got really well for a while and then everything felt like it kind of came crashing down again, which was really-
1: Yeah, you had your first uh, hypothyroid diagnosis too in there
2: somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. My first hypothyroid, what's interesting is, so I mentioned the part about where I got clean and I got pregnant. And then when I was pregnant, I was seeing this doctor and she looked at me and she was looking at my throat and she said, I think you're hypothyroid. And so, and I when with my pregnancy, I gained a lot of weight too, but I remember I was coming out of addiction. So I was also very small when I started. So I gained all this weight with my pregnancy as well. And she said, I think you're dealing with hypothyroidism. And she could tell just by looking at me, like she mm-hmm. saw my throat. And so they went on to do obviously the blood work. And then beyond the blood work, I had like an ultrasound of my thyroid and the ultrasound showed that everything was, you know, enlarged and inflamed. And that's how she was able to tell.
1: Yeah. You know, I wonder, cause back when I was 17 and going through what I thought was just, when I look back eating like bagels and cheese, you know, like I figured like the weight stuff was around there, but I was like a very sleepy kind of almost had a sleeping disorder where I slept all the time. And I do remember she never tested me more on, mm-hmm. but anyway, I do have a doctor <laughs> that like felt my throat and she goes, have you ever been tested for thyroid? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And she was like, huh, we might want to do that. And it was again, probably because she felt and saw what your doctor saw as well. But then of course, never yeah, <laughs> anything yeah. about it. So I didn't find out two years later. All right. So you get your first diagnosis and you're dealing with that.
2: Yep. And then, well, so yeah, just to back up a little bit about the thyroid, what was interesting about that is then, of course, back then, you know, this is, we're talking 20, almost 30 years ago, right? So back then the solution was synthroid or, you know, synthetic uh, T4. And uh, so that's, of course, the path that I took at that point. And what's interesting is at that point, then I stopped like massively gaining weight, which was interesting. The other part, I think that's really interesting to me about that piece is the, the idea that when we talk about, um, for example, drugs like meth, they, they mess with your metabolism, right? So they mess with a whole bunch of your chemistry. Um, it's very, it's very chemical. So it affects your body. So I believe that that had definitely played a role in what ended up happening with my thyroid. Um, and, uh, and then later on with the chronic pain and fatigue and the nervous system dysfunction, I obviously, I attribute some of what happened, um, to the, to the stress that I put my nervous system under yeah. by, with my addiction. Um, but yeah, once she, once she got me on thyroid medication, it seemed to do the trick and I stopped, you know, massively putting on the weights. And then after I had my daughter, um, I lost the weight. It was like, everything felt sort of normal ish. Um, you know, and of course, until I got back into the quote unquote seen and um, and whatnot but uh, yeah just going you know fast forwarding then to when I was I don't know 26 28 my daughter was like five um, six uh, I started having these symptoms where I couldn't I was working um, and I worked a desk job and I couldn't sit comfortably. I was having these pains in my hips and then it was kind of it like it spread. It started where it felt like it started in my hips and then all of a sudden it it was now in my back and then it was in my shoulders and then it was in my head and I didn't really understand what was happening at the time. I was just always in pain and um, it literally ended up where I I went to work. Um, this happened over a, a couple of years, right? So I started getting these tests and you know, doing MRIs and nerve testing and all of these things to try to figure out what my problem was. And it really ended up in um, you know, two years of a lot of tests and a lot of money to end up getting diagnosed with chronic pain, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And you did something that I did as well, which at this time, you you were like, all right, you took matters into your own hands. You started to mm-hmm. investigate alternatives and started to persevere, which always leads to success, right? instead of just kind of throwing your hands up. So, let's talk about that journey. I mean, from realizing you're a chronic pain and doing the investigation into holistic health and how long did it take when you finally found out sort of what you needed to do before you got out of that?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, it, it took about two years to kind of go through the process of of letting mainstream uh, medical, you know, dictate what, what I was going to know about what was going on or what I could learn. And then once I got, it was, it's interesting because I find this to be true with people that I work with um, is once there's some kind of answer, even though they, they gave me a blanket diagnosis, which really wasn't a diagnosis of having chronic pain, I was like, oh, well now I know something and I can move forward. So I started doing all the research that I could on chronic pain. And I went through this program that this hospital offered, which was really interesting it was like a chronic pain management program. So I did this like PT and OT and they started teaching me about relaxation and I started doing these meditations essentially, like these guided tapes that they gave me that I would listen to for 20 minutes. And more often than not, I would fall asleep listening to them, but, um, but it was exactly what my body needed, right? So I started learning these things and you know, I had done a little bit of obviously on how to be healthy prior to this, But I really didn't, they, you know, the solution that the mainstream offered me was, you know, antidepressants, Mm -hmm. um, pain medication, and in coming off of a lifestyle of a past of addiction, it's not the way that I wanted to live my life. Like, I knew that that was no longer for me, and that it wasn't a solution, because there was going to be essentially no quality of life associated with being drugged. Mm -hmm. And so I, that's really, I think was the driving force to start learning. Like, how can I, how can I figure this out for myself? What can I do? What can I eat? What can I, what can I incorporate into my lifestyle? Right. I didn't really understand all the language behind it at that time. I was just like, what can I do to help myself feel better? And one of the things was I started learning about, um, hormone health and, um, this was, you know, natural progesterone was a new thing on the market. And so I started playing around with that. And I noticed that that made a difference. And so it was like, okay, well, what else in the natural world could help me? And then that's when I started learning about supplementation and, um, you know, different things like, you know, more so yoga was something that came into my life at that time because it was restorative and relaxing and it stretched out my body and it helped me physically feel better, but it, I feel like it also did something for my mind that was different, right? Um, another way to sort of soothe the uh, anxiousness that I carried with me, that was also a kind of a factor. I feel like the um, the drug use was always a way to self-medicate, right? It was mm-hmm. always a way to to position my mind in a way that I could tolerate the thoughts and you know some of the anxious things that were going on with me, just as a result of having a traumatic childhood, um, and so I started transferring that to things in the natural world that could do the same thing without effectively the side effects and the you know the loss of life.
1: Yeah, at one point you had moved to Austin where it was damp and moldy and you had a relapse Mm -hmm. there. Can you talk about this mold situation? You had multiple surgeries to remove mold from your sinuses and then things went down there. I know that, you know, then you moved to a drier climate and it improved, but tell us just about the mold journey. This is something a lot of people go through and uh,
2: love to hear it. Yeah, that was a trip. So, I mean, between the time, right, I got myself back up, I was feeling energetic and healthy, um, you know, a few years after that first experience. And then there was like almost a decade where life was pretty normal. And I continued to like do more nutrition and health research. I kind of had a passion for it. I didn't really realize it at the time I was just like always wanting to make myself better. And so, um, you know, at, at one point, I, I I started studying to be a health coach, and I studied nutrition theory. And I was making a life change at that point. I realized I had worked this really stressful job in the trade show industry, and it was I didn't realize it at the time, but it was taking my its toll on me. It was very demanding. It was high pressure. I was a single mom at the time, going to school and doing all these things. And then the thing that took me to Austin was just the desire to live somewhere warmer. And the idea that I could find a way to get out of that career and move into this health coaching space, like those are the two things. I hired this life coach and I, I was like set on making this move to better my life in a new way. And I I ended up um, moving to Austin as a result of that from Wisconsin, got out of the cold weather and as soon as I moved to Austin, I quit that. I met my husband. So he was kind of like a bonus thing that happened in all of this. He, um, he and I uh, were introduced by a mutual friend and I went to visit him in Austin. And then ultimately I ended up moving there to be with him and marrying him. But when I got there, I decided to quit that trade show job. And then it was almost instantly that I got sick again. And now, now looking back, I know kind of the combination of things. First of all, I think it was my body finally saying, you know what, what you've done to me the past seven or eight years with all this stress, um, caught up with me. And then, um, and then the other part was Austin is, is damp and humid. Um, most people wouldn't think of it that way because it's Texas, but it is. And so I started, um, I started having these symptoms where I started having the main symptoms, right? So anytime I I always call the chronic pain stuff, my body's toxic response to stress. So I get under stress. That's the way my body will respond. It's kind of still with me to this day. I manage it really well holistically. But ultimately, um, if I'm not mindful and careful, I can go back there. And so I started having those symptoms again, where I was in pain again, and I was starting to be tired and, but something new happened. And I had this like weird funky smell that was coming out of my nose and, and I, and I didn't really understand what it was. I thought, well, maybe it's allergies, it's this and that. And then I finally went and met with, uh, uh, with my, well, my doctor, they treated it like a sinus infection and they, they started doing the treatments for sinus infections, which weren't helping. And then uh, the person I was working with at the time decided to put something that was antifungal up there. And I noticed a difference. It was like a spray or something. Mm. And I noticed a difference in the, in the smell. But what, what was really trippy as part of that is like I could feel something moving in my head. Ooh, and weird. it was just, it was so weird. That's creepy. <laughs> it was creepy. It was like I could, I would bend over to do something and then something would shift and then I would have this like smell that would come out. And I was like, you know, obviously we just didn't know what it was. And so when we did the spray and it started to like help a little bit, um, it was, it was kind of light bulb went off, right? You know, mold, fungus, something like that. And, but we had no idea what we were dealing with. I went in. To see an ENT after that, because obviously the spray didn't do the whole job. And he went up in there and he found my sphenoid sinus, which is like the sinus cavity that's right below your brain. It's the top one. It was packed with this fungus. And he had seen this before. This guy had been around a long time. And he said, Well, we need to. Need to basically biopsy this. So they went up and they took a sample because what they need to know is they need to know whether it's the benign sort of fungus or if it's like the kind that can eat your brain. Right. So they did these tests and they found out that I had more of a benign. It wasn't one that was, I was at risk for eating tissue and whatnot. But the, the thing he told me at the time was, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to remove this and your your it was probably like, I don't know, the equivalent of like two tablespoons um full wow. of stuff that was up there. And when he finally took it out, they finally had to do two surgeries. They went up there, they had to open things up, they um they removed some cartilage and whatnot to get up in there and they pulled it out. And he said he had to break it apart. So what that told him is that it had been up there a long time. He said, it potentially could have been up there for a decade.
1: You mean before you even went to Austin, but then what the the air and everything exacerbated it and made it grow kind of thing? Is that the concept? Exactly.
2: So like being in that level of moisture all the time and having that warm, humid weather was almost like it woke it up, right? Right. So it was like dehydrated. And then that (laughs) was what I was, right? It was, that's what I was feeling moving was I was feeling it basically come back to life.
1: Oh, so gross and creepy.
2: (laughs) So gross and creepy. And I was so glad it wasn't the kind that was gonna eat my brain. You know, thank god they caught
1: it. Thank god that that guy (laughs) actually knew what was up there. It could have taken you a lot longer and it could have expanded further.
2: So yeah. So I had this first surgery, they removed it. I had the second surgery where they had to kind of basically power wash it out because it wasn't all gone, like he couldn't get it all. And I still, it's so, it's so funny, you know, the, obviously we're in the health space, so people will get this, but I still have a picture of it on my phone. He took a picture of what it looked like when it came out, because I just, you know, sometimes I get around people and it's like, you know, it's a fun party trick, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, want to see what was up my nose? Yeah. Well, you know, also too, it's, it's interesting and I'm glad Mm -hmm. you do have a picture of it. I think that's also part of the healing is seeing it and going, it's out of my body.
2: Yeah. 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 But it made me more sick to take it out. Right. Cause that's the sure. thing with, with mold and fungus is like, when you start to remove it, it can get better before it, I mean, get worse before it gets better. Right. And so that's what happened. I, I got, um, the symptoms started getting worse. I had more fatigue. Um, and so, and that, at that point I couldn't work or do anything. I was basically, um, you know, bedridden essentially. I mean, thing I was so tired and I all the time I didn't have the energy or even the to do anything um and they have so to this they had pain medication because the pain was we and all that I knew the time I went through this nothing was working like you know I was trying to introduce the um certain supplements and I was trying to lifestyle habits of uh, you know meditation and resting and and but I really it didn't it felt like it was obviously something new and mold is something different. And so nothing was really working. So I went back down the path of going on pain medication for a while and then I sort of became dependent on that, right? Addictive past plus just being in so much pain. Um And again, I hit that point where I was like, okay, this is no, I don't want this to be my life. Um, So I sought out uh, a new mentor, uh, a naturopath that had a lot of experience that ran a school that I was interested in. It was this really funny story about how I got introduced to him because I had seen one of his teachers in a in a group that I was in and she kept answering these questions. What I didn't learn later is she was a moderator and I didn't realize it. She would answer questions about health and I'm like, wow, she really knows what she's talking about. I'm really, really, you know, really into her. And then I met with her and she introduced me to the school. And then as a result of being introduced to the school, I met him as a doctor. And then it ultimately happened that I hired him to be my doctor and he took me through his... Sort of um, protocol which helped me heal um, from the mold, from the um, from the pain. Uh, in fact, as part of that, for the first time in twenty years, I got off thyroid medication. Right. So that healing process, I healed myself back to the point where everything was working normally, and. That was really exciting. Right. After 20 years of being on thyroid meds, I, I and at that point, I wasn't like on Synthroid or anything. I was natural thyroid and, and whatnot. But I, I started working with him and it, it made all the difference. And then that's sort of what prompted me to go to school with him and study under him.
1: Right now at one point, so we'll skip the timeline a little bit because along the way you learned about Mark Sisson's work with the primal blueprint and started to incorporate some of that stuff. For sure. Uh, But then also, uh, You reached out to me because in in 2021 or 2020, right, you had some thyroid symptoms come back and it ended up being a reverse T3 issue, which again, I just want to tell the audience if you're out there and you're curious about thyroid or you're having an issue, this is uh, an issue that even more doctors don't understand. Uh, This was the second bout of hypothyroidism I had in the decade where I suffered and had to fix myself again (laughs) a second time. And so- you know, and anyone can just go to my website, download the free thyroid guide. It has all the tests you need to take to assess. But if your doctor isn't testing you for reverse T3 along with free T3, free T4, TSH, then they are an uninformed doctor and not looking comprehensively at the picture. So I just wanted to kind of take a moment to just sort of point that out to people because those are less diagnosed, but they are also sort of on the rise, you know? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. It's, it was interesting because I remember talking with you and and, um, and about this and the reverse T3 situation and how like potentially, you know, way back when I could have, because when they tested me, they never, they didn't test for things like free T3 and free T4 in the beginning. And, and, uh, they certainly didn't test for reverse T3. So, you know, the question I have is like, that reverse T3 problem have been a problem before that I just really never knew about in part as part of my previous healing experience and journey. Um, the, the finding it out this time, you know, I think that you know everybody was under a lot of stress during COVID and full experience. And here we are trying to build a business and I'm trying to also have a practice, a nutrition practice and, um, and then there's COVID and then that has levels of stress. I think that ultimately the stress caught up with me and my, I just couldn't hang is kind of what I felt like happened. Um, but yeah, now I've got that, I've got that sorted out and learning about the primal blueprint. That's such a cool piece of my, my path. So after I studied under this naturopath and became a holistic nutritionist, I shortly after that, um, I, I was in school for that. And I took this job with natural grocers, which is, um, and it's not in every state. So it's a natural food uh, grocery store that has on staff, hires nutritional health coaches is what they call them. And so I took this job to become a nutritional health coach with natural grocers and the, um, the nutritional theory philosophy that natural grocers supports is the primal blueprint. So uh I love Mark's, that so much. Yeah, it's so cool, right? And
1: so yeah, on that note, it was funny because real quick, yeah. Mark's daughter Devin, had taken some uh I forget, I forget the name of the program, but it was like a health sort of program or nutritionist type of program. And she's like in the program, and part of the program is like studying her dad.
2: <laughs> and we were yeah. just laughing about that. Like she's like, um, my dad's like it's just so great. Yeah, and Devin, she ended up writing a cookbook. Yeah, kitchen um, it's an intuition
1: for everybody. How
2: yeah, are. Absolutely. That was a, that's a great book, especially for like beginner people. Um, it's so simple and she does such a good job with like making the recipes easy. And, um, it was one of my first, so we got this book bonus every month. I could get a book from natural grocers. And that was one of the ones that I chose was her cookbook. And then we would just basically get to write a book report on whatever book we got. And then we keep the book and whatnot. But, um, yeah, so the the um, curriculum essentially that natural grocers has was reading the primal blueprint. So that's um, I read the primal blueprint. I learned the, I learned the approach and it's interesting too, because I studied what I studied when I went to become a health coach, you know, 10 years ago was nutrition theory. And so I learned a lot about a lot of different approaches, right? Everything from veganism to even learned about, you know, fruititarian, right. And so I learned about all these different philosophies and that was always the thing that was interesting to me about nutrition. Is like, you could have these two theories that were like, had science behind them, but they contradicted one another. So that's, I right. think, one of the things that always intrigued me about nutrition. But when I got to natural grocers and I learned about primal and paleo um, in this new way, it made so much sense to me. and what I've learned since then, this is probably, I don't know, five, six years ago. What I've learned since then is it's the dietary theory that I think applies to the most people. And I would agree um, with you. And there's always ways
1: to modify it, right? Because if you don't like red meat, you don't have to eat red meat on paleo. There are other options, but I agree with you. It's really is kind of the, mm -hmm. the perfect human diet.
2: Yeah, I agree completely. And we did, you know, the perfect human diet was another, another piece of curriculum that we had to, that we had to do as part of taking this role. Oh, by the way, I just
1: want to interject and say, you know, CJ Hunt, who wrote, uh, directed that documentary and the book is just a phenomenal, phenomenal person. I've interviewed him many times. He's always the guy where if I see some BS article that looks wrong, I you know, he used to be investigative journalist. So I'll call him, I'll be Uh like, Hey, what's the, what's the deal with this? But he also came on the podcast and talked about, he also had a thyroid struggle and a reverse T3 struggle as well. He has since fixed that um, too, but he also uh, had a big struggle and it was because people were trying to pummel him with T4 and, you know, all of that stuff. And it just was not working for him. So he like myself is on T3 only. And um, anyway, I just wanted to interject there, but that is, my favorite documentary in the paleo primal world. And I recommend everyone watch it because mm-hmm. boy, those concepts really sink, sink in the way that he presents it. And it's, you know, maybe seven ten years old, but it is just still one of the best. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Completely relevant, totally relevant. And yeah, it was And I, I really, really got into it. So of course we adopted the lifestyle for ourselves. I mean, I wasn't far off of this, but I recognized that um, certain foods were just not working for me, even though they were deemed healthy. Right. So, um, you know, adopting the, the, the primal was another step in my, in my journey that really, really helped me to continue to move forward and become healthier and, and really understand more to be able to help other people. And um, so, yeah, so we're, we're working the, the, the gig at natural grocers teaching the uh, teaching classes on the primal blueprint um teach coaching people one-on-one you know loving it thinking that nutrition and coaching is is all i'm ever going to do for the rest of my life because I'm so passionate about it I love it i feel I can make a difference in people's lives and and then I was traveling and I um, was introduced to the concept of, of keto for the first time. And my, I was traveling home. My daughter was having my grandson and I was going to stay in Wisconsin for a month. And, you know, always when I travel home, I think, what the hell am I going to eat? Because it's such a different place. You know, I mean, I live in a bigger city now. I'm in Tucson. I lived in Austin. I lived in a place where there was a lot more, and I wouldn't say a lot more health, minded people, but there, but there was a, there was a bigger pool of people. So obviously, there was a lot more to choose from, and uh, and back in Wisconsin, you know, I mean, I remember the reason, one of the reasons why I left initially was because of the cold weather, right? And the cold weather makes people, can make people more sedentary. Um, it can, it can, you know, create like depression essentially. And then what do you do? Like I was a self-soother. So food was one of my drugs. And so I didn't have the best eating habits back there. So I always think like, okay, what am I going to eat when I go home? And I was, had not yet about keto. And my friend who I stayed with was on this diet. And then she started telling me about it. And at first I was like, Hmm, I don't know about that. And then I started doing more research and then she had made me this, um, this granola that she made. And I tried this and it was made from nuts and seeds. And I was like, wow, this is really good. And I, she made me a bunch of it. And I used it like as my snack, as my food to go to while I was traveling. And then uh, she gave me her version of the recipe. I, I took it back home with me and I started making it for myself And I started making all these changes to it. I wanted to make it a little bit better. You know, it had no sugar and wanted to make sure I was using, you know, good, good non-sugar sweeteners and, um, and, uh, had a certain process and I'm like, I can improve upon that. So that's kind of how I got into our food product was just making it for myself. I'm like, oh, this is something I can take with me wherever I go. It's something I can snack on. Um, when I feel like I need to put something in my mouth and I could feel good about it and um, that's when I started making our granola and it evolved into what it is today over the course of like two years and that was just making it for us making it for friends of ours um, you know giving it as gifts and then it led me to the path of people saying, you know, I really wish I could buy something like this because there was nothing like it in the marketplace at the time that I was making it. There was no such thing as a keto granola five years ago. And, um, and so we started giving it some thought like, wow, we can really, you know, if you'd asked me five years ago, if I would have been a product maker, like someone who made a, a health food product or, any kind of product and sold it, I would have been like, no way, man, nutrition's my jam. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what I love. And I just was led down this path of, of making this granola that turned out to be something that people really loved and dug and felt good about eating, but also felt like it felt like I say in the, in the bio is indulgent, you know, felt like something that you're almost like you're getting away with something, but
1: yeah, I definitely feel that way. When I, I, you've sent me your products, and uh, that's why I also wanted to interview you because they are delicious. They really are. I wouldn't wouldn't even say that. I think people know that about me. You know, people throw products at me all over the years, and there's a lot that I'm like, ooh, fail. So you know, this is <laughs> your products are a total, total winner. Thank you.
2: Yeah, we're really proud of them. It evolved, and you know, it started out with just one flavor. The cinnamon vanilla was our flagship, and then we've evolved into a couple of other flavors and. Um, and you know, I wanted it, what I learned about it from using it myself, it was versatile, right? I could use it as a snack. I could put it on yogurt. I could put it on a salad. I've done all kinds of things with it since then, you know, baked it into various like, you know, primal or keto goodies, or, um, you know, we've, I have a customer that buys the pumpkin spice and she puts it on top of baked sweet potato And that's what she eats for breakfast. Yeah. So it's been really fun in that regard that it's, it has some versatility, but that's kind of the point, right? So better than, um, it had a different name when we started, you know, it was small batch better than granola and people called it April's granola. uh, (laughs) Um, but we, we really wanted to, to kind of encompass like an idea that we maybe could make more products in the future. So better than provisions, better than is kind of like a summary of my story. Yes. So it's kind of the idea that, and this is sort of how I feel about nutrition and health is, you know, it's not about like just flipping a switch and saying, Oh, today, I, yesterday I was standard American diet and today I'm primal paleo and, you know, and it's, it's not like that. It's, it, for me, especially, it was a journey of just becoming a little bit better than or do it, making a better than choice than I did yesterday or that I did than I um than I did before. Right. Just becoming a little bit better than I was before. And if I can make these small changes over time, they add up
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they result in a better version of me. And yeah. so, Yeah. Were going to say something? Well, I
1: was going to say, you know, that kind of goes back to, I was just talking to Mark recently, but goes going back to sort of his approach with the Primal Blueprint in general was always like, hey, if you can just do 80% this way, you know, if you can do 80, mm-hmm. 20, like then you're just going to be better than most, right? Like it's just yeah. better. Like, of course you would say, hey, go full force if you can. Um, but again, it was sort of offering to people like, hey, look, even if you can do this 80% of the time, you're going to be better off and better than you were you know, the previous months. And so I love that concept. And honestly, your story is such a triumph. And there's so many people in this industry, including Mark, uh, including, uh, you know, all the other people who've come out with incredible products, uh, you know, even like Taylor Collins, right from Epic Provisions, just Mm -hmm. this whole movement starting a decade ago. And you're part of that, you know, because the more the demand, the demand there is, right? The more we see these products. I mean, this stuff was, you you know, 10 years ago, you couldn't find any of this stuff. And now there are companies mm-hmm. like yours that are like paleo approved grain-free granolas. And, and there's more grass-fed meat out there we see. And, you know, it's now we see companies moving towards gluten-free and grain-free. And it's so nice to have seen this evolution. And I love that a lot of these people do have their own health story that led to it and then helping others. And that's really, you know, the entire motivation behind primal kitchen foods, you know, is mm-hmm. being able to affect everybody and have something quick, easy, grab it, grab the salad dressing. You don't have to worry about doing it at home, grab the mayo or grab your granola. And so I, I love that this is what, you know, this is sort of the trajectory of, of your
2: disastrous beginnings, right? Right. Right. And yeah, I knew what would have resulted in having a product and a product-based business, but um, yeah, the convenience I think is a huge part of it as well. Right. Because we are busy people and, um, and it's, it, you know, I mean, I went through a lot to learn what I know and that's not going to be what everybody else is going to experience, nor is everybody else going to have the same level of passion and interest I had. You know, I think that that was just sort of lucky for me in that I, I, I embraced it in a way that it just made me want to learn more. And I wanted, you know, but that's not necessarily realistic for everyone. And so to have other people out there in the industry that are making products that you can trust is huge. And you mentioned Epic Provisions, and that was, they're, they're actually like um, an inspiration of mine. Yeah. We were, so I'm, like I said, I was in Austin before this and i saw a lot of products get launched in austin a lot of health products because there was a period of time where i in there that um before i got really sick again well during the during the process of trying to heal i got i worked for uh, a food co-op there and i worked in their vitamin and supplement department but i saw these products and epic was one of them in fact Siete Foods was one of them. I'm sure you're familiar with Siete Foods. Yeah, they're
1: great. I I want to mention something about Epic, which is when I first started working for Mark uh, and I, you know, like almost a decade ago and I was in his house, I like walked in and I looked on top of the piano and there were like, three bars that were from Epic Provisions. And I picked one up. I took a look at it. I looked at the ingredients and I literally thought to myself, I was like, this is fucking genius. (laughs) And then, and then from there, like, well, I wasn't too off. I mean, not like anyone would have said that. Then they exploded and, you know, obviously have all their products and then, you know, sold their company to General Mills for like 300 something million dollars. So I just remember those. And it's almost, I'm nostalgic for those times. You know, I remember, you know, Mark's first jar or, you know, but the, it's just so interesting. And yeah, Taylor Collins and his wife are really cool. And what they've contributed to in terms of our health and convenience in health mm-hmm. is just outstanding.
2: Yeah. They had like three, like you said, like three bars to start with. And that's what I remember having at the co-op. I was like, oh, you know, these look great. Wow. This is amazing. Yeah. I absolutely want to eat these. And then to, you know, fast forward to now and there's like the whole, they have a whole line of different types of products and, um, and I remember when when Primal Kitchen came out with its uh its products, and I'm like, this is brilliant, this is so good. People can just add a sauce to something, or you know, and then the avocado oil was something that he really promoted in the beginning. And and I loved the concept of using avocado oil versus seed oils. And and um and then the uh Siete Foods, I remember when they were just like one little package, it had like a twist tie on it. And (laughs) Wheatsville, the food co-op that I worked for, was the only store in town that carried them. We and when I saw those and I saw, was like, almond flour tortillas, what? You gotta be kidding me. This is brilliant. And so of course we started eating them and loved them. And um, and then I remember they got they, they got into a second store in Austin. And then, you know, now fast forward to today, and you see them everywhere.
1: Well, and that's actually and, going to be the trajectory of your company because I know you're headed for Amazon in the next couple of months and uh, mm-hmm. possibly Whole Foods. And, you know, uh, but right now, everyone, really better than provisions.com. Uh, get a couple of bags. This stuff is so delicious. And I feel like a little goes a long way as well with your yeah. with your granolas. Yeah,
2: yeah, that was the point, right? To create something that was dense. So both nutrient dense and like volume dense so that a little bit could go a long way. And, you know, it's nuts, it's five kinds of nuts. So we've, we've, we've got uh, a lot of bulk there. Um, You know, I don't necessarily promote overeating nuts, but at the same time, a little bit goes a long way. So the, um, the idea was to have it to be something that was nutrient dense that could fill you up. So you know, like I said, if you're traveling, or you know, I mean, on I, I, we 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 call it a, a road snack. You know, we have people that keep it in their car because yeah. it's something that they can always just grab. It's it's stable. Um, it's not something you have to keep refrigerated. Um, a lot of people we know take it hiking, biking, um, and use it in that way. You know, outdoor activities or for a post workout snack. Um, and it's got a slight bit of sweetness. So if you know, you're know you a person that likes sweet, um, it sort of satisfies that. And then we have the flavor, the cacao cayenne flavor that has like the spicy kick to it. That's mm-hmm. got a little bit more savory um, sweetness to it. And yeah, it's really fun. And, it, you know, it's funny because people ask me, do I still eat it? And the answer is yes, I still love it even five years
1: later, I Right, you think you'd get, you get sick of your own thing, but yeah, no, it's yeah. still it's still working for you. Tell us, I think you're offering our audience like a 20% discount on their first purchase.
2: Yeah, for sure. You can use Primal 20 and go on our website, use Primal 20 for 20% off first purchase, you know, no limit on what you can get. And I will, I Stock would be honored. Stock up,
1: people, you're gonna love it. Yeah. Stock up, yeah. We will put the link for that in the show notes, but again, Primal 20, just one word. Uh, for twenty yep. percent off, and you know, I just I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story, not only of your healing. I mean, you know, it's just proof that if you persevere and you keep going, you'll get there. You know, and there might have been yeah. some trip ups along the way, but at least you navigated yourself out of it. And what a wonderful uh, boy you just like Olympic level landing, you know, on this mm-hmm. uh, like gymnastics uh, yeah. landing on your life. And I'm just so happy for you. And also your husband, I know he has the company with you, but this is just what a triumphant story. Is there anything before we go that you'd like to leave with our audience?
2: Well, I think you make a good point, right? That it's, um, I I think how I would summarize that is just small things add up and, Mm. and that you can take small steps and learn things and, um, accumulate you know, this knowledge over time, you don't have to go to the extent that I went to, you know, going to school for all of it or, or anything. And there's so many other, there's so many great people out there too, that have done that level of work that you can tap into, um, to get guidance and support. But, um, yeah, I, I'm really, honestly, if I look back over my life, I I don't know that I would change anything. I feel like everything that I had, have been through have made me into the person that I am today. And, you know, um, my daughter does great. I just want to say that because she's obviously part of the early story. She, Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, um, you know, obviously she grew up with me. She doesn't remember a lot, you know, prior to me getting my life together. But at the same time, I had a lot of uh, time with her when she was younger, where I was still developing and learning about how to live my life, you know, and, um, what's interesting is she has, she has gone through her own challenges, but then she's been able to more recently, she's asking me questions about health, but she grew up learning about health and she's had all this information and now she's kind of like, she's 28 and she's, um, starting to incorporate some of the things that she learned along the way into her own life. And that's really exciting to see.
1: I love um, it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And again, better than provisions.com use cold code bet. primal 20 for 20% off. And that's T H A N of course, better than provisions. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us and we'll put all, uh, everything in the show notes to connect with April and her company. Thanks Aww, for thanks coming. for on. having me. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week.
0: Primal Blueprint listeners don't compromise on pantry classics. Whether you're going keto, paleo, in the middle of a whole 30-month, or adding to your Primal-approved arsenal, Primal Kitchen has a full range of mayo, ketchup, dressings, and oils that add flavor and variety to any meal without ever compromising on ingredient quality. From avocado oil-based mayos bursting with flavors like kicky chipotle lime, creamy classic, zesty garlic aioli, or savory pesto, to unsweetened ketchups and organic mustards, there's a condiment to complement every taste bud. Be sure to stock up on Primal Kitchen avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, and new balsamic vinegar of Modena to add ease and great flavor to any dish, whether you're grilling, baking, broiling, braising, sautéing, or stir-frying. Primal Blueprint listeners can get their favorites 20% off when they use the code PRIMALBLUEPRINT at checkout.